As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis 5, as we continue our series through this amazing book, uh, the book of beginnings that really uh, written a long time ago, but by God's grace and perseverance, it's for you and me, whoever you are, however you got here, whatever your story, God wants to speak to you through his amazing story. And we got an amazing story again today because we're going to look at our great God and what he does to our lives and how he can transform you and me into something beautiful. But as we begin, let's pray. Father God, it's, it's my deepest desire that you would come with such power through the reading and the preaching of your word, through our worship, that there wouldn't be a soul here that would be able to leave not knowing the truth that Jesus is beautiful. And everything he's a part of, he is making beautiful as well. Father, it's times like these, it's all times, but especially times like these that we just need you to speak clearly to us because there's so much confusion around us and inside of us. Father, this morning I ask for a double measure of grace in the name of Jesus. I ask for that so that people could listen to a preacher that sounds like Kermit the Frog and they could hear your words and not be distracted by my cold. And that God, that we, all we would see was Jesus and he would be who he is, beautiful, mighty, savior, friend, prince of peace. It's in his name we pray, amen. Does it not seem that our world has changed since the last time we've gathered? I mean, just in a week. I mean, it's amazing as uh, one week is unfolded of what has unfolded in front of us. And now in today's day and age, we have a front row seat as we sit in front of our TV and we watch the chaos. We watch the, the chaos of our world unfold. And we see the lives that are taken and the limbs that are lost and the carnage that happens. And, and, and our hearts break and we, we kind of uh, get drawn into this story. The, the hunt for evil, the cry for justice, the longing for God to come and to work. And, and to see some of the heartwarming stories. I'm a hockey fan. I, I watched the Boston Bruins play the Buffalo Sabres, the first event in Boston after the, the bombing. And to see that whole auditorium sing the national anthem, it was, it was moving. It was moving to tears. Not quite as awesome as see a whole auditorium sing to God's glory. But what an amazing week that has unfolded before us. But as we've looked at the book of Genesis, we've realized that this, this battle between good and evil had a starting point. According to scripture, God creates all things good. He creates all things good and, and he creates us very good in his image to, to know and love him. That God started by creating a safe place, a safe place with no terrorism, where man and God can dwell together in harmony. It's called paradise. But there's an enemy who does uh, hate us and a serpent that tempted us. And, and our first uh, parents, uh, Adam and Eve, uh, listened to his lies instead of God's truth. And what happened is, is when they disobeyed God, they fell from God's grace, were removed from God's presence. 
And God said, as soon as this happens, death is going to be a part of your story. Is death a part of our stories? Oh my goodness, yes. Death has been a part of the story ever since. That there's going to be enmity now between God and, and man. There's going to be hatred now between man and man. God told us this would happen. And as we look a little bit closer, we see that this gracious, amazing God, he's so good, is that even in the midst of our rebellion, he makes a promise. And he makes a promise to us that we didn't deserve. He says, I'm going to fix it. You're not. And I'm going to make it right. You can't. And I'm going to do it myself. And I'm going to do it by sending a seed. I'm going to send a savior. He's going to come through a woman. He's going to be man. And we realize he's also going to be God. And it's the seed of the woman that we long and hope for. And, And scripture tells us that there's this epic battle. We looked at it last week. Between the seed of, of, of this woman, this righteous seed that God promises, that runs all throughout scripture, and this, the seed of Satan, this evil. And there's going to be good and evil that run through time. It's interesting to listen to the commentators. Sometimes, do you want to sometimes laugh out loud with some of the questions they ask? You know, how are we going to control this? And is this the face of terror now? And, and sometimes you ask questions and think, well, how does someone answer that? And what is our hope? What is our world's hope? I mean, is it NATO? I mean, is it in a, is it a world peace plan? I mean, what is our hope? And for Christians, our hope is in God, a God who's promised that he is going to deliver. And we promise that we believe that he has delivered. Listen to this. And he still is delivering. Once Jesus came in flesh and put to death death and died on the cross for our sins, that peace plan of God is now in play. And right now, today, we can have peace with God. Right now, today, we can have hope with God. Right now, that plan is active in all of his children's lives. But he says the plan isn't fully here yet, that there's more to come. And so we live in this time now where we have peace now, but we live with a world that's not filled with peace. And that's where we are. This morning, we pick up the story right where we left off yes, last week. If you remember last week, we looked at uh, Cain and Abel, uh, the sibling rivalry that started the whole thing, representing these two seeds. Very interesting. And we realized that, that Cain uh, wanted to build his own city for his own name. And Cain rebelled against God. He had no regard for God. And he, he hated his brother who loved God and that, who represented the seed. And he killed him. But we get down to the end of the chapter. And it says this, that God provided another child to Adam and Eve, the third child called Seth. And Seth, again, is going to point back to that promise. And in Seth, it says this, through Seth, people started to do something wonderful. They started calling on the name of the Lord. And as we get to chapter five now, we're going to see the descendants of Seth, what might look like one of the most snoozeville chapters ever of a list of people, their names, how long they lived, and they died. There's good times, right? But there's a couple people that are going to stick out in this that we're going to look at. Because there's going to be in chapter 5, 10 generations given to us. And all sound exactly the same except for two. A guy named Enoch and a guy named Noah. Those two get a little special attention and we're going to see why. But I want you to know as we read scripture that what we're reading here, this is the promised seed to come. This is the righteous line. These are those that were born to Seth, who was one who was calling on the name of the Lord. And let's turn to God's word now. Uh, Genesis 5. 
I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. Skip to verses 18 through 24, then 28 through 32. Let's be mindful that this is God's holy word. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. We can't read this and not think of Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Again, God's taking us back to the beginning. There was Adam made in God's image. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Again, we know he's already had fathered Cain and Abel. Uh, we know that Cain uh, was evil and Abel was righteous but killed. And so now we see the promise of God continuing through Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years and he had other sons and daughters. Now we're going to hear numbers about lifespan that sound ridiculous. The scripture itself will tell us that God changes this to a normal lifespan in just a few chapters. But this is how it initially was. Thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. And Seth had lived 105 years. He fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth's life were 912 years and then he died. And you follow that through and you're going to hear the same pattern. Name, naming of a child, and then died, 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 death, death. The fruit of sin is taking hold even in the righteous line. Let's look to verse 18. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah, who will set the record, by the way, of living. Enoch walked with God. Interesting phrase. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. A short life compared to all the others. God walked with, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Verse 28, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, which means rest, interestingly, saying, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief or rest from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered three important men that we'll learn about. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Let us pray. Father, this story seems so ancient and so far away. I mean, when we hear these things, it just seems to be fairy tale. I mean, these years and all this information and God, how do we make sense of it? Only if you come. 
Holy Spirit, and give us ears to hear and minds to understand. Give us hearts to believe and give us feet to walk in truth. That is my prayer. Come and speak. Come and make sense. Come and bring life. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you want to follow along in the bulletin, the first thing we're going to see is this, is that Enoch walked by faith in God. Interestingly, the pattern changed with Enoch. There was something unusual about him that called for special attention. And God wanted to point out that this fellow Enoch, he had an amazing intimate relationship with God that he walked with God. He had this walk with God for like 300 years and it was so tight. It was so close. I guess that they said everything they could say in 300 years that God said, okay, time to come talk to me face to face. But what kind of walk did Enoch have? What made it so unusual? And is it anything that we can have? And the first thing we see is that Enoch walked by faith in God. He had faith in God. It seems, okay, well, what does that actually mean? If you remember last week when we looked at Cain and Abel, which was very helpful is that God has given us his word, the complete word, and we could pick up part of the story in the book of Hebrews. And so the book of Hebrews will help us as well. So let's turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Last week we were in Hebrews 11, 4 uh, and 5, looking at or, or chapter, or, uh, Hebrews 11, 4, looking at Abel's life. And here we look and we can see more information about Enoch. Hebrews eleven five, It says this, By faith, Enoch was taking up, taken up so he would not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you want to please God? I mean, So how do we please God? Verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Enoch walked with God by faith. And we want to answer the question, faith in what? Well, first of all, faith that God existed, faith that God is real. This is a God he could not see like we cannot see. Yet he knew that God existed, but he had more than faith. He had faith that God's promises were true. He knew that God had promised, because they were calling on the name of the Lord, that God would provide someone to come that would fix the mess that Enoch lived in, and it was an evil time, we're going to see that next week, and that we live in. And and Enoch, by God's grace, had faith in who God was and in what God promised. And here is the truth of all of Scripture you can't miss. We find God's favor not in what we do, but in how we believe. Enoch didn't find favor with God by the way he walked with God, by the way he, he was religious. That's not how he found favor with God. He found favor with God the way all men through all time have only ability to find favor with God, by God's grace, through faith. Here's a really important point. We can't find favor with God apart from faith in God and his promises to us. You know what this means? 
Christianity is inside out. It's, it's completely upside down and inside out. Here's what this basically means. That Enoch didn't walk a certain life or a certain period of life or a certain, you know, kind of quality of life to a point where he got in. It was nothing about his works that made God find him favor. It didn't come from the outside of his life in. Enoch's favor with God came from the inside out. He had faith in God, therefore it pleased him. He received God's favor. He had right standing with God by faith and therefore he walked with God. Stanley Petkavich is with us this morning. Good morning, Stan. Good to see you. You're hating me this morning, aren't you now? Stan and I share books together. One of the books Stan gave me, a great book, was called Walk On. Walk On is a true story about a young boy who went to Wake Forest who uh, wanted to play. He had scholarships at other schools that were less than Wake Forest. But at the time of Wake Forest's prime with Tim Duncan and all of the national championships and the powerhouse and the ACC, this boy wanted to play for Wake Forest. So he went in and he did not earn a scholarship. And so he said, I'm going to walk on. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to be at every drill I could be at. I'm going to be at every practice. I'm going to do everything I can to walk on the team. It's an amazing story of a nice young man. I, th- I think he's actually a, he's a PCA. He's like us. I think he's in a PCA church like ours. A very nice young man who, who has this amazing work ethic, who works so hard just to earn a spot on the bench. And year after year, he doesn't even play. And every year he has to go back and walk on again and make the team again. And he gets to his senior year. And I think that, doesn't he play like 30 seconds his total career? 30 seconds. And says, you know, man, I, I did it all. And it was somehow worth it. And you read his story and you put it down and say, I want to applaud a life like that. That's amazing dedication. That's amazing hard work. Just to wear the jersey of Wake Forest, he would do everything he could. I tell you what, to wear Jesus' jersey, I would try to do everything I could too. I mean, I'd love to walk on God's team. I'd love to get on any way I can. But according to God's word is, is there's no walk-ons. It's not that God isn't uh, gracious. He's, he's so gracious. But there's none of us who could earn it. And so here's the reality of Christianity. Ready for this? If you love Jesus, you're a scholarship player. What does that mean, Jeff? If you have a relationship with Jesus, it is by God's grace through faith alone that we get in, not by the way we walk on. It's an amazing thing about Christianity. It begins with faith. It continues with faith. And guess how it ends? In faith, by God's grace. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says this. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, how do we receive him? By grace through faith. So walk in him. It's a beautiful passage. As you received him, it's by faith. Walk in him. Rooted in being built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This is so cool. It's basically saying this about Christianity. It's all about God's grace. It's all about faith. That's how it starts. It's how it continues, how it finishes. And all you got to do is say, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for making me qualified because I just disqualify myself all the time. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for making me a part of your family. Oh, what grace. Enoch walked with God in faith. That's the only way to have a God-soaked life. The first point is this. You can't have favor with God 
apart from faith in God and his promises. No matter what you do, you can do some noble good things. Civically, you could be a champion. But in God's eyes, the only way for a God-soaked life is a walk of faith. Second thing, Enoch walked with intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. It says this in the book of Hebrews. Did you see it? I love this. Enoch pleased God. Oh my goodness. I long to know that. And by God's grace, I do. To please God who's holy and real. Enoch pleased God. How? Through faith. Not by his walk. Don't you think that his walk pleased God? I mean, after his faith, it was pleasing to God, but it didn't earn it. The only thing that could provide intimacy with God. Now think about this. It's true. This makes sense. It's logic. Think about this. This is important. The only thing that could provide intimacy with God for Enoch's walk had to be God's grace and faith. If Enoch thought that he had to earn it, if Enoch thought he had to live his life in such a way to make God happy with him, there's no intimacy there. There's just fear. There's just tired works trying to earn something that we can never have. But Enoch knew what we can know is peace with God. The only way you can have intimacy with somebody is to have peace with them. Is that not true? All right, spouses. Can you have intimacy with somebody without peace with them? It doesn't happen. I mean, intimacy comes as a result of peace. Now let's talk about peace with God. This is what Romans uh, uh, 5, 1 and 2 says. Therefore, since we have been made right with God or justified by faith, we have, ready for this, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Unbelievable, this peace that we long for with God comes not by our works, but by faith. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of glory of God. Here's what it's saying. There's no intimacy with God without peace with God. And there's no peace with God without faith in God and his promises. Do you have that peace with God? The second thing of this intimacy is privilege with God. I mean, Enoch knew that he could cast his cares on God because why God cares for him. That's what scripture says. First Peter 5, 7. If you're his, if you're his beloved child by his grace through faith, he cares for you. He loves you. He's given you his son. He wants to know all about your concerns, your trials. He already does. But he says this to you. Listen, cast your burdens on me because I care for you. I don't want you to walk alone. I'm walking with you. And I don't want you to carry the heavy garbage. I want you to put it on me because I'm stronger than you are. That is an amazing intimate relationship that God calls us into in a God-soaked life. The intimacy that says, believe in me and cast your burdens and your anxieties on me. He says this to us, pray without ceasing. What does he mean, pray without ceasing? He's talking about a walk. He's talking about a conversation. He's talking about your heart. He says, just share it all. I just, just long for it because I love you and I want to walk with you. Cast your, your, your burdens on me. Talk about that privilege we have with God. And then as you have this amazing intimacy with God, we, have in, we also have protection um, with God as well. We know that even though we could walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil for our Lord is with us. What an amazing privilege walk this is by God's grace through faith. I've watched many of you make this walk 
and head into the valley of the shadow of death so boldly, so admirably. I just, it just blows me away. But again, it reminds me of a truth of God and the privilege and the power we have because we have protection. Here's the reality, my friends. Not even death can separate us from the love of God. And what Enoch's life does is, wants to say this, is there's more to come. I mean, he's only one of two in the Old Testament. He and Elijah, that we don't have a death recorded. That there was some kind of, it's different. The language here is different. It's not death. God took him. God brought him home. There was some kind of uh, um, taking up to heaven. I don't know what it looked like. Sounds crazy to me. But what I know is this, is there's more to come. And I know that my Savior hung on a cross for my sins. And I know that tomb is empty. And I know that death has been defanged. And I know that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear evil because we don't walk alone. We walk with a resurrection, resurrected Savior who lives and has conquered death. Enoch, he walked with God by faith. Enoch, he walked with God with intimacy. Enoch, he walked with integrity before God, with integrity. If by God's grace, he's rescued you and you love him, and if he's done this for you, your, your life will now want to live with integrity before God. Listen to what um, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, Paul writes, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. He's basically saying, now it starts now, now have integrity in your calling if you're mine. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you've been called with all humility. You don't earn it. It's been given to you. With all gentleness. It's only by God's grace. With all patience. How patient is God with us? Bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. He's saying now to us, listen, if you're mine, your walk should have integrity before me. It should, it should be a fruitful walk. Colossians 1.10 says this. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Again, that, that, that same phrase. Fully pleasing to him. Bearing fruit in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of the, world, the, the, the Lord. It's basically saying, if you are a Christian and have a God-soaked life, your life should be progressing. You should be becoming more and more like Jesus. Imitate him as a dearly beloved child and walk in love, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says. And you should walk and know him more and more. Is your, is your life God-soaked? Are you spending time with him? Do you know him? Are you in his word? Are you growing in your knowledge of him and, and just seeing him everywhere and just being amazed of his love for you? Is it bearing fruit? Is it bearing fruit? I mean, really, as we abide in him and he abides in us, I mean, the fruit of of that love and the grace of God should be manifest in our lives. I mean, there's still junk there. We're still gonna mess up. But are we growing? Is it a fruitful walk? A God-soaked life. We're gonna end with this last passage. And it really, to me, summarizes everything. If you have your Bibles, let's look at it together. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, we're going to start in verse 8. And we're going to uh, go to verse 10. This this summarizes this whole God-soaked life by his grace. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10 says this. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith. Salvation initiates with God's grace, and it's only accomplished through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's a not result of works, so that no one may boast. I mean, God couldn't make it more clear. The only way we get in is by God's grace, through the vehicle of faith, and that faith in Christ Jesus and what he has done for us. It's absolutely God's uh, gift to us. It's not an Enoch's walk. It's not in your walk. It's not in your labors. It's not what you try to do for God. It's what he's done for you. All that God requires, God's provided in Christ Jesus. That's why we have peace with him. That's why we have intimacy with him. That's such good news. It all starts with God's grace and faith. But listen to verse 10. For we are his workmanship. And this could be translated, we are his masterpiece. In Christ Jesus, made in God's image, restored through the blood of the Lamb, we are his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus, what? For good works. We are created. We aren't saved by works, but we're created to live a certain life for him, which God prepared beforehand, love this, that we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. A God-soaked life it begins by God's grace. It's accomplished through faith, faith in what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And now through that faith, we have an amazing intimacy with God. And we should live our lives with great integrity before God because that's what he's called us. The world should be able to see our lives and say, there's something God soaked about them. They're the aroma of Christ. The way they walk, the way they live, the way they talk, there's just, there's just, there's just this aroma. I got to try one more time to appeal to you. Do you understand what this really means? That God wants you to walk and live your life in freedom and in joy and in harmony and in fellowship. That God is not calling one of you to do something to earn his love or approval. God is not calling any of you to, 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 to make a mark that you'll never be able to make. How horrific. God has provided for you perfectly by his grace, through faith, have a God-soaked life, and now walk in harmony and fellowship and love and joy in him. And when you do, you'll say, I want to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel because that's the greatest news that has changed my life. How is it with you? Are you trying to be a walk-on Christian? It just will never happen. It'll never work. By God's grace through faith, we walk in him. How is it with you? Is your life a God-soaked life? Be watchful. I mean, I I know the reality, it's it's so interesting. Wasn't it interesting how the timing came out where they had that news report about 6.30 and said, okay, folks, scoured the neighborhood, look like crazy, don't have them. So just go out and have your life but be vigilant. Be vigilant. Just know that there's bad stuff around you. And within moments, a, a, a community that was unleashed found them, that, that terrorist and was able to say, we got him. Here's the deal. If you're his, be watchful. There's an enemy that would love to trip you up. 
I think most Christians walk with Jesus and we just forget that we're in a battle. I hope that this week reminded us that we're in a battle of rages around us. Be confident to know that God loves you. Know that it's all about his grace through faith of what he's done for you. Walk in intimacy with him. Have a God-soaked life. There's nothing like it. Let's pray. Father, thanks for Enoch. And God, what I want to thank you for, I want to thank you that you don't give us heroes and say, well, gee, try to live a life that's as good as his. Because I'd fail every time. I'm so glad that you don't hold up heroes and say, that's a moral example that we just have to try to meet. But God, you give us heroes that had faith, had faith in what you would do in and through them, have faith that you would provide a savior. God, thank you for giving us the privilege of having a God-soaked life. Thank you for, for Enoch and the way he did have faith in you. That was a gift from you. God, I, I pray for anyone here who's trying to be a walk-on Christian, that they just would realize it's not how far or how hard or all the things that they do, that no one pleases you except through faith and faith for what you've done for us. And God, for, the, for those of us who, who are yours and who have by your grace that faith, God, just soak us with your word, soak us with your spirit. May we have a walk with you that's intimate and may we have a walk with you that's filled with integrity. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.